Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I need to be myself. I can't be no one else. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Inland Empire, which released in 2006, written and directed by David Lynch. Ian, if you can, would you like to give us the synopsis for Inland Empire? Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Well, the story follows Laura Dern's character, Nikki Grace, or Sue Blue. She is an actress who has been given a prominent role in an upcoming film which may or may not be a remake of a Curse production. As Laura starts to make her way through the scenes with her co-stars, she starts to blur the line between what is real and what is the film set. I do not think it will be much longer now. A Woman in Trouble <laughs> is, yeah. the, is the subtitle for this film. Right. And that was kind of resembles the trouble the studio had when advertising and marketing this film. When they yeah. looked at the completed film, they were like, what how, the f- how do we cut a trailer? How do we promote David Lynch's 10th movie? Uh. Well, we struggle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently the tagline came from... Uh, from either David Lynch rambling about certain aspects of the film right. and the film studio only deriving this one thing from watching the film. Yeah, yeah. There was a woman or several women that were in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they really did not know how to market this film. But the actual genesis of this film, you know, came about when David Lynch realized that he could make a movie without studio interference, when he realised that he could buy a bunch of these cheap digital cameras... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...and make a film with himself. He was like, I'm doing it. He called up Laura Dern, and he was just like, hey, what are you up to? Do you want to come over and experiment? And this film was shot over the course of several years with no complete script. that's why. No complete script in mind. And what... But it was completely thought out in the terms of the... David Lynch wrote lots of scenes yeah. and then eventually found a way to piece them all together to make one coherent <laughs> movie yeah. experience. Mm. And I say experience. Experience, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly the word I'm using to describe this film. Is It's an experience. I've never seen Inland Empire in my time. Thank you, whoever asked us to review this film. Um, I, like... I like David Lynch, but whenever somebody says like, oh, it's by David Lynch, I'm like, okay, I'll come back. I'll come back. Because like, I remember the first time I watched A Razorhead, everybody raised about A Razorhead and about how great it was. And I sat down and I watched it and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'd seen shit that was banned that was better than that shit. You know, I've watched TV adverts that were better than A Razorhead, but... You know, as you grow up, you gain more experiences, you look back on it and you go, well, maybe it's a wonder of cinema, blah, blah, blah. You know, David Lynch going at it. I like, I liked Twin Peaks for the three or four episodes I watched of it back in 91, was it? Um, and then went, you know what, Lynch, I'm done. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go over here. Uh, recently, like a couple of years ago, I watched um, What Did Jack Do? That's amazing. It was like 17 minutes long. It felt like three days, but it's, it's very short. Um, and so when Gary's like, we're watching Endland Empire, I'm like, really? Okay. So I looked down and got my notes out. Yep, Dave Lynch. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to at least do it 
you know, after I've had lunch, because some fucked up shit's probably going to happen. And then I looked at the time and I was like, three hours? Three hours? Three hours of David fucking Lynch. Like, sign me up. <laughs> like yeah it's like going on a roller coaster ride and it's and, and everybody else is on the roller coaster ride on you and it's got its ups and its downs and it stops and you sit there for ages going when's it gonna fucking move you know and then it moves a little bit and then it goes around all over the place laura Dern, i'm gonna start with wow she is just phenomenal isn't she like she is yeah i totally forgot she was in mask um the uh the the film about the boy with this figure yeah. she played the blind girl in that she was absolutely amazing in that um and obviously she's already up to this point before 2006 had done two previous lynch films that's right so she was already a well-experienced lyncher at this point she was as soon as he said Do you want to come over and experiment she was like okay i'm there and they just sat around with the camera and her doing stuff and probably had a whale of a time for how long seven years were they not filming? seven but a couple of years <laughs> a couple yeah. of years of filming this what are you doing on sunday shall we film scene 52 act four yeah okay whatever the fuck that is and the, the film starts you've got some people walking to a room with fuzzed up faces yeah you know, it's very well done. It's but, like it's hiding their identity. Yeah. But we also find out that it's perhaps a shameful act that's being played oh, out here. Oh, yeah. No woman gets undressed like that unless she's being paid. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> so, I mean, this film... I mean, it also starts with what sounds like a radio play. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's that audio piece that's being played. We see, like, the record being played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's also, like, a spotlight which shows the opening titles... Um, so it's definitely got this old-fashioned feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it does play out. This the sex scene literally open, opens the film. Before we're left watching her sobbing in extreme close-up as she's watching television with canned laughter watching these rabbit people. Yeah. Like, like, first ten minutes in, as soon as I saw the rabbit people, I was like, I'm glad I set three hours aside and told my family to go away. Because obviously, the rabbit people mean something. They do. What? I don't know entirely. You can't say they, you know, and then you don't know in the same fucking sentence, okay? It, it doesn't help With me. this film, it I can, does, because it's it left me. me in a land of confusion yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and misinterpretation. So that because there are so many different ways to interpret a lot of the visuals and goings on in this film, it does leave lots of people with completely different understandings of what the film is saying to them and yeah. i i literally think that it's what you bring to this film with your life experiences oh. as to what you will pick up from the, this film's messages totally. and themes and you can also see that some people stole some of the ideas because while i was watching these rabbit sequences all i could think of was silent hill right and you remember in Max Payne 1 and 2 where Max would be watching the TV series and there was a weird TV series going on? You had yeah. no idea what the fuck was going on? Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> sure? Her sitting there watching that. I was like, man, this could be a Max Payne movie. And then we we, we cut to some weird um, Russian, Polish 
gangsters talking in a room. Now, I will just say right now, the, the version of the movie I watched uh, didn't have any of the subtitles in. And so a lot of the sequences where the people were talking in Polish, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Um, but it didn't seem to matter because I didn't know what the fuck else was going on either. So it all kind of went together. Um, and then we cut, like, the rabbit's been in this house. And then the people were in the house. And then the rabbit's there again, I think. And then it flicks and... This weird lady is walking up to a house, and it's Laura Dern's house. Um, she gets invited in. She's a, she's a new neighbour, and she's come here to talk to her neighbour because she wants to meet each other. And so you think it's going to start off as a really normal conversation, but this is a David Lynch movie. Nobody has anything normal in a David Lynch fucking movie. And so they sit there, and she starts talking about time travel, or evil children, or how Nikki Sue is going to get the part that she really wants. And Nikki's like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, welcome to my world, bitch. <laughs> uh, I mean, the moment the actress turned up, I was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's Mrs. Palmer from Twin Peaks. Oh, right. I, of course, recognize her most recently from The Quarry as well, where she plays the mystic witch tarot card reader lady. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, great, a typical Lynch bringing in actors that he likes to work with yeah, in yeah, previous yeah. movies. Yeah. But, yeah, this, this sequence lasts. A, a good couple of minutes. It's literally just a back and forth shots. Yeah. Extreme close Extreme. And of course, the thing that put me off the most is just how ugly the house was. Now, I don't know where it's the, the you know, the decor, yeah. like the color schemes or the patterns or the lighting or the cheap cameras that, that Lynch is using I for think these it's scenes. it's a combination. It, it, it just, it, 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 it definitely, it just all feels, and it's also, not, it's also like the, uh, the, the composition of the framing of characters on screen. Right. It all feels very amateur. Uh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of its presentation. <laughs> yeah. But because this is like the most normal the entire film will be, it kind of adds to that <laughs> reality. Is. Like this is real most life. Normal, the, the, yeah. These sections are real life compared to the batshit craziness that's going to follow in the next two to three hours. Yeah, literally. This is still just the first 30 fucking minutes that yeah. we're in. We haven't really gone for i made timestamps and and took three pauses four pauses during the yeah. fucking movie so this visitor kind of understands that that nikki is now got this part in this new story oh, no no she doesn't know yet because it flicks doesn't it to to nikki sitting there the next day with her friends and it's like you've got the part and she starts celebrating and everybody starts dancing the fucking butler dances yes and then there's a weird guy on the steps and you don't realize it but that's her husband right who's suspicious of her we don't know why. Well, I mean, uh, his suspicions will be confirmed upon an hour or two later <laughs> where she will end up having an affair with the, the, the bad boy that gets cast as in the leading role opposite her. Yeah. And everyone is already, like, questioning her, like, oh, I, you know, you're married, but you're acting in a married role with this person. Clearly something's going to happen. And she's like, yeah. no, 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 no. But they do end up having an affair now both now in the film that they're playing the characters have an affair yeah. and now the actors themselves are having an, an affair. affair and so yeah it, it, it but, literally layers things on top of on top. but do they that's my question because justin through who plays devon who plays billy he you know when we initially first see him like everybody knows he's got a history he will fuck 
every woman he comes into contact with. And he's been told, explicitly told, do not fuck this one because her husband will make you disappear or he does. Literally, everybody fears her husband. And we don't know why. We don't even find out his fucking name for like 45 minutes. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. But you can tell that in the sequences that they are in, Laura Dern is, and I, I don't, I mean this in the most respectful way, but she is hamming it up of falling for him. Like her character is infatuated with Billy slash Devon. And he's like completely oblivious to it because he's trying to act in certain scenes. And you're sat there like, is this her character falling for him? Is it her falling for him? Is this this is this just Lynch making me question what who is falling for who, where, when? Because when they get to the sex sequence, it's so awkward. They're like shoved in one bed trying to have this sex sequence underneath the covers. <laughs> I'm like, who does this? And she's like, they're going at it. And she, like, the sex sequence, like, it's really well done, but at the same time, well acted to the point that Laura, like, I know now how Laura Dern sounds during sex. I don't ever need to kind of imagine it because she acted it yeah. for me. But when she starts <laughs> mumbling, she starts mumbling to him, like, it's me, it, it's Nikki. And he's like, what? Yeah, and so she started <laughs> to blur the line. I'm like... She's already disappeared into her character. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's one of my favorite lines from Jeremy Irons in the film. Oh, yeah, Jeremy <laughs> What's Irons. What's going right. on? Yeah. Jeremy Irons turns up with this British accent, and uh, he's the director of this, this, this movie. Yeah. And he also has to explain to them as well, like, this isn't just any movie. This is a remake. But nobody knows that it's a remake because nobody wants you to know it's a remake because the original production was cursed yeah. and, the, and the two lead actors are dead. Yeah. But it, it's unconfirmed whether it was the two lead actors or the two lead characters because the, the visitor, Mrs. Palmer, when she turned up, prophesized or warned that there would be a murder yeah. uh, within the film. And Lord Dern's like, there's no murder or death in this film that I'm going to be in. Yeah. But is it, does it, the film that she's in or is it real life that she's in or is it the character that she's playing yeah yeah like we need to watch more to find out yeah, yeah like i'm i i i'd love to structure the whole review for you all but i'm i'm not i'm gonna fucking spoil this shit because it's easier to fucking explain than try to structure as much if you want to watch inland empire go fucking knock yourself out have have three hours of a field day with yourself but honestly well, they, they have their sex sequence and she she's talking to him about going and buying groceries. Oh, it's not today, it's tomorrow. And I'm buying the groceries and I find a door and I step through the door. And the whole time, Devon's just like, what? <laughs> what are you going on about? She, the door, the door, I found the door. And then it cuts to the next shot of Laura Dern walking down this alleyway and she's got the shopping. And she looks up and she sees this door and it says, act, act on or action. Or so, and I thought it said act one because she steps through the door and she is in a scene that we've already seen. And we'd seen, we had seen this scene. Stay with me, okay? We had seen the scene where they were practicing the, 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 the shots that they were going to do. And Harry Dean Stanton, who's a fucking legend and he was great in this as, as he always is, he says, Hey, there's somebody there. And Billy goes off and he, he goes to find who's there. And we're now seeing it from Laura Dern's perspective halfway through the movie where she's gone onto the set, seen everybody stood there, is really confused, just like the fucking rest of us, of what she's seeing. 
and she is chased by Billy. Well, she's screaming at Billy as he's running towards her and he can't hear her. And so she runs through a door into this weird uh, backlot house and it becomes a fucking house. She can see him through the glass, but he can't see her. And then she goes outside and the whole movie now is just her kind of living this life of the character is she living the life of the character of the story of the film that was cursed that she's been brought back on i don't fucking know because the prostitutes turn up and they all start singing the locomotion That certainly snaps you out of whatever oh, it stupor does. of the film had left you in oh, that moment. Yeah, one of my favourite scenes in the whole of the fucking movie was that. Yeah. Like, it is hard in my mind. Like, the, the film in my mind is so fragmented in terms of the yeah. events, how they play out yeah. chronologically. Yeah. And when I'm watching the film, like, as they chronologically play out, they feel out of order and out of sequence. So now, having taken that, that, that mess... And it's in my head, and it's been swirled around even more. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense to be able to try to picture and recall scenes to relay the information out of it, other than interpretations. Yeah. Because it's not, like, standard blocking of a movie scene anymore. Like, all that we've had in the first act kind of was linear to a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. now that we're in the dream world of David Lynch with this character, now... It's all over it, the place. It's now all over the place. Literally just... It's like we're parallel world dropping. Yeah. The character has completely changed her identity. Has she completely become the character from the film? Is it Nikki? Is it Sue? Is it Laura? Is she the girl from the beginning? The lost girl? There's lots of, lots of moments of men dominating women yeah. is one of the like themes throughout the film and there's a sequence where where Nikki or or Sue or Laura ends up for a large it cuts back to it several times where she's almost like black and white in an interrogation office yeah and this other guy doesn't say very much and my interpretation is that's just her psyche anyway just listening back to her uh, as she recalls all the times where she was almost raped, where she's had to overcome yeah. you know, the, these violent or aggressive men, including her husband. So we get to see some resentment of her husband that maybe beat her, which has maybe led to her well, looking for an affair. Well, or... this is it, because it completely, yeah, because she's talking to this cop and we we watch her go back to talk to Billy, who's now the character that we are assumed is in the film and she's screaming at him that what's going on you know i love you and doris billy's wife starts beating on laura nikki every time she says i love you and it turns and we'd already seen doris in a previous sequence where she's talking to a police officer and telling about how she's been hypnotized by the phantom to kill somebody she doesn't know who and she's got a screwdriver sticking out of her fucking side police officer does nothing he literally just sits there staring at her like Huh, huh, look at that. You know, and you're into cutting back as well with other Laura, who's, you know, when she was when she was doing the I love you slapping sequence, that's actually part of a fucking flashback. <laughs> so we go back to the fucking sequence where she sat with the fucking dude with the glasses. That was like two pages, two fucking pages of notes 
that meant nothing because like I'm looking at her husband I'm like is she rich now do they live in the mansion no she wants she wants she's pregnant he's like I'm I can't be I can't be the father because I can't have children and they have a barbecue he gets tomato sauce splashed on himself people are coming around wanting hot dogs and arguing over hammers but that's okay we go back to the guy with the fucking glasses again and watch him go up some stairway and we're back there with Laura while she's explaining all this and I'm like what the fuck is fucking going on? And going back, sorry, to what you were saying about it going all over the place. In the years that we've been doing off-the-shelf reviews, I always look for the main anchors of the points because it really does help with the editing. The main anchors for this is Laura Dern rushing around trying to work out who she is. Yes. Is she the actress? Is she the character? You know, do are they trying to find the character? Because we keep seeing the Polish family and everybody talking. And like I said, I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. But by the end of it, when Nikki is... She's trying to get the lost girl to meet back up with, like, her husband and her son. Are they dead? I don't know. Is this part of the film? I don't know. Because we're watching Laura walking around the streets. She's beaten up. She's dirty. Like, she has no idea what's going on. And she fucking confronts the prostitutes that we've seen a couple of times. And herself. She sees her fucking self. I thought it was possession all over again. Right. <laughs> like, she sees a doppelganger across the road laughing at her. And she's got the screwdriver and she's thinking about stabbing somebody. And then Doris comes running up, grabs the screwdriver from her and stabs her right in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, but that, that's, what, agrees, that's, that's what, what happens visually. That's what happens. But what does it? What does it mean? What does it say? Well, like, I, I, did she stab herself? Because no, obviously... I think in the context of the story, I think that the girl, um, Laura Dern's character in this, in the film that she's playing, has an affair with Billy. Yeah, you know, and Billy kind of falls for her because he's not in love with his wife and that upsets the wife so then the wife has to go out and has to kill this new girl but is all that just in Nikki's mind oh yeah no it's all in David Lynch's so mind because, all, because like, this ha, isn't a normal has, world has, has this this secret love affair been found out yes or is it just the trauma of her feeling the guilt that she's cheating on her husband and she's afraid no, that she'll find no, out and what she will she, do should she find she out. she forgot about the phantom. The phantom the that phantom we never... The phantom we never see or hear or ever know about. He hypnotised Doris to stab her with the rusty screwdriver, you know, and she even grabs but, the rusty but screwdriver But is the phantom later. not then just the, a manifestation I, of Nikki to make it feel like there's possibly, an external thing that's out to possibly get her, the, not her own doing? The phantom could be that guy with the light bulbs in his yes, mouth who exactly, turns yeah. up and she shoots twice. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do. But no, going back to what you said. Yeah. Though, this is this is the, this is my biggest undertaking or takeaway from this film. Yeah. Was that you're absolutely right that it's a film about identity. Yeah, yeah. And trying to figure out who you are, despite you know, despite being in this hellish nightmarish dreamscape, despite whatever real life, you know, um, burdens you may have put upon you or put upon yourself. Yeah. You are always still trying to figure out who you are as a person, and this goes back to uh, the uh, the visitor, the lady that turned up at the beginning, yeah, yeah. where she's like, "There was a boy who went out to play. Yeah, yeah. He passed the mirror, 
saw his reflection and that was the day the evil was born. Yeah. And so it was like, well, for me, it's it, it's kind of like everybody has a reflection. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So everybody yeah. has an evil side. And so it was, a, it was a film about duality, about you know being morally good, being morally bad, but also figuring out what what line you walk, you know? <laughs> and, and, and whilst exploring who you are through the themes of loss and, and abandonment and uh, and the fact that the film is a film within a film within a film within a film yeah yeah just it, it's that that's the playpen for me it, that i got for laura dern understanding who it was she wanted to be and like all of the other prostitutes or sex workers that she has in that room when she, when they're all just talking at one point they all just vanish and i'm like oh yeah. for me that was like they're all in her head oh yeah they yeah. Are, they're either memories of the people she used to hang out with she used to be a sex worker or are they the memories of the character that she's playing oh, in exa- exactly so but the, for me they're all one character so the lost girl at the beginning Nikki, the Lord Dern character, Sue, the character she's playing, they are all one character, uh, in my interpretation, yeah, or, yeah. or <laughs> at least one interpretation. I can also agree that they might be separate, because her getting stabbed and dying at the end, there's that really surreal moment where the camera pans back, passes back, a Hollywood, you know, camera. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, so we're actually still on a film set. You were still we're, filming. Was yeah. the entire thing it, that we've just watched the film that they were making within the film? Do you know what really it did annoy me um, about the film because it it made me think of Sinodoki New York. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I the life's I, life's a stage. I can't stand that movie. <laughs> oh. I, you know, oh. simply because. Simply because, like you said, it's multiple interpretations. And I absolutely loved listening to your interpretation there. And I was going to interrupt at one point. But that's the point. Is that his interpretation may not be mine. Mine is not his. I can take and think. Because I'm sat there and listening to your interpretation. And the whole time all I'm thinking is, is that David Lynch filmed this and wrote this over the course of three years. He probably forgot more than he put down on paper. And so the reason why certain things don't link up is because he wrote one scene one day and then didn't write the follow-up scene until like three months down the line and it just jarred together. And, you know, and I know a lot of people are probably going to sit there and go, oh, Ian, you're fucking wrong about Sinodoki New York. But you have to understand that a lot of time when I think about film, when I sit there and I think a really hard film... It is really, really good, but it doesn't get the praise it should because the majority of the audience out there do not care about art. They want big explosions and fast cars and they want things to happen at a seemingly seemingly easy pace because that's what life is. They want an easy life. You know, it's easy just to put a film on, forget about it for an hour and a half and get back to it. This film, along with Sinodoki New York, is not like that. You cannot just put it on in the background and <laughs> I'm just watching it. It's three hours of darkness and depth and duality and layers and stuff. Like Gary said, that if you're not, if you're not knowing what you're bringing to the film before you sit down, you are going to be fucking lost. And it's not the film's fault. It's not technically your fault, but it's just a. A mismatch of sequences. Like this end sequence where she's dying. The fu- She's fucking dying on the street. And you've got one actress talking about how she can't get a bus to fucking Pasadena. And you've got Terry Crews and his girlfriend talking about how she can get the bus on a fucking certain day. And Laura Dern's dying there for like what feels like ten fucking whole minutes. So, okay. We're dying, it's all...
And then, like you said, the camera pulls back. Jeremy Irons says, cut. And everybody starts going about their business. And Laura gets up and she starts walking around. She's in like a catatonic state. Like people are really worried for her. And we're like, I'm worried. Like last hour, this was life. And now the cameras come. How does this actress yeah, kind of it's, switch it's, it it's off? It's like a like a commentary on method actors that yeah. lose themselves in their roles so hard that they cannot distinguish reality anymore. Nikki, you are wonderful. Nikki kind of wanders around towards the end of the movie. She even wanders into a cinema at one point and watches herself yep. talking about herself. And, and like we said, we've the seen... The film within a film motif yeah, again. Uh, we've seen the glasses guy again. So she walks up the stairs to kind of talk to him again. Um, and it's just, you know, especially towards the end, it was just kind of a lot of really fucked up imagery. Yeah, it's like she has to face her demons. Mm. You know, her the phantom that's been harassing her or causing all of these issues. She she basically has to confront her demons. She has to confront her inner monster. That's whatever her guilt moment. is. Yeah, exactly. Because it up. is it's Laura Dern's face Ugh. just stretched and pulled and contorted. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. One of the most yeah. frightening uh, images I think I've ever seen in yeah, film. Yeah. It is gonna stay with you. I'm yeah, sorry, audience, down. for showing this clip now. I'd rather censor it. <laughs> but We can. Yeah. Like, it's, it's her confronting. But she, she does overcome this, and she ends up walking into the room of the lost girl who was watching, still watching herself now. Yeah. As she comes in, and she kisses, and then Laura Dern's Nikki or Sue character disappears. disappears so yeah. it's like they've become one again. They've reconnected. They've healed that part of their, their soul. And then she wanders back out, right back into her loving husband and family. Yeah. And it's like, so... And we, there was also the scene where we also saw the other sex workers running down the corridor. Yeah. It's almost like she's come to an epiphany or a realisation, and she's saving other people from the same fate she put herself in. Yeah. Maybe. Or it's just the story of a film, and this is the plot, and we're just going with it, because... Once the, 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 the Polish girl has met her husband and her son, and that was really quite nice. I was like, I, find, I feel like that... I don't know, a weird experience uh, in films that you kind of feel like that's the end of that character's story. I was like, hey, I get that feeling now. Thank you, Lynch. Um, and then we kind of cut back to Laura um, sat talking to the weird neighbor again, <laughs> you know, and you realize that you were just right back at the start of the movie. Yeah. Um, and Laura looks over and sees herself looking at herself. Um, and then the one-legged lady that was brought up in the conversation in, earlier on in the movie uh, turns up and it all turns into a massive huge dance number right <laughs> party at lynch's house <laughs> yeah man snort this shit smoke your fucking woo lynch man yeah yeah now apparently there was one day on you know on and filming this film where david lynch had to call somebody up and go um i'd like to get a warehouse and some ladies that don't mind taking off their tops <laughs> it's gonna go and film this sequence there can we make that happen yeah <laughs> did wow what Great. an 
Ian, what were your favourite or most memorable oh, sequences? Oh, man. Uh, you know, weirdly enough, I did have some written down. Uh, I absolutely loved seeing Jeremy Irons and Harry Dean Stanton on, on screen together. I mean, you really don't realise how good Harry Dean Stanton is until you don't watch him for a long period. Sure. And then you see him on screen and you think, how is this guy acting? Like, he literally just sits there, pulls out a cigarette and just starts smoking. You know, that's that's how he acts. But you sit in him next to Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons is just phenomenal. It's like the two of them have been buddies for years. Um uh freddie uh hustling people for money i mean it's such a great sequence between him laura dern uh, and justin theroux and it's the way that laura dern kind of gives him money and then he kind of just signals to justin like hey come on yeah and so justin gives some money and then later on they'll see him hustling more people with the same story and he does the same thing to somebody else like hey you come on cash I gotta pay this landlord. It's fucking great. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it was like it was just a commentary on producers on oh, film yeah. studio producers. Yeah. But also, I also <laughs> felt like maybe at this point in his life, Harry Dean Stanton was strapped for a bit of cash, or <laughs> was just kind of you just know, turned up on set one day. He just, <laughs> he just like, turned up, and he's just like, "Hey, David, can I just sit over there? Yeah, I need some money, David. Okay, I'm gonna put this camera in your face. Okay." And that was the day, <laughs> yeah. okay? That was the day. Uh, the Bucky move the camera two feet sequence was fucking funny as <laughs> fuck. Like, that's the thing, like, we always say this about comedy as well, is that, like, some of the most weirdest abstract productions can have the most funniest sequences and they don't even intend to be. And Jeremy Irons is constantly screaming at somebody who's off screen. It's the voice of David Lynch I off screen. I thought it was, yeah. you know, and he's got to move it up, move it down. No, I said move it up. No, up. No, I haven't moved it I, yet. Right, right, okay. <laughs> well, just leave it then. Just leave it. I've moved it now. No. Okay. It was, it was fucking yeah. phenomenal. I haven't even touched it yet. Well, then put it two foot from where it is. No, a foot down from where it is now, Bucky. I'm out. What? Got it, Bart. I absolutely did love a lot of the sequences with Laura Dern in. Like, even though I had no fucking clue what the fuck was happening as each sequence went on i was really glad she was the lead yeah because it just felt like look if she's in it and she's confidently acting then it's just me yeah. i just need to kind of get behind this film and so watching her just go from sequence to sequence the slapping sequence uh the the, the i loved that fucking conversation sequence in the bedroom where she's just staring at all the different prostitutes uh, like they, they might not have been prostitutes they might have just been aspects of her mind women dressed up I don't know these women were just over there and they're all just talking about the guy who they were with you know and um, then they all yeah they all danced and then they all disappeared but it all felt like part of Laura's psyche or her friends um, yeah the, the, the fucking locomotion sequence <laughs> I between you and me, I love the sequence a little bit before where she takes her top off and everyone's just commenting on her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> she was just like, one of them was like, oh, I'm upset because he's dumped me and I don't feel like I'm, you know, going to have another relationship like that. Yeah. And the person was like, oh, I'll just go out tonight and get laid. Yeah. She's like, well, with boobs like these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love your boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Who is she? Is she dead? I don't know. But that was a line from the movie and it just happened in a sequence. And I wrote it down like, this is just weirdness. Along with all of the rabbit sequences. Like, were those people in suits? Yeah, yeah. Those were amazing suits. Yeah. Like, there was a moment at the end where she's looking at the TV and it was flashing. And they opened the door and you could see the flashing light through. And I was like, oh, they've stepped into Poltergeist world. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. 
And, like, the last sequence I think was really good was the sequence where Laura Dern's talking to the guy with the glasses. And the camera's just really focused on her. And she's talking. And I questioned while I was watching the sequence. I was like... Like, is she a really good actress that she's selling me the script writing from David Lynch? Or is Lynch just letting her just waffle on, you know, and she's just talking nonsense and it's me, the audience member, you know, questioning if I like it or not. And then that just made me start to question all the different films that I've seen and all the different experiences that I've known. And I, I honestly just came to the conclusion that, you know what, it's all of those things mixed into one. You know, it was really good acting from... from uh, Darren and really good writing from Lynch and really good camera work and once you put it all together you get this phenomenal sequence but as the audience member I'm enjoying it. Not everybody will but you know that's show business. Yeah. Yeah there are so many memorable and standout moments in the film many of which you are, are, are struggling and competing to be remembered <laughs> yeah, the most. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite line deliveries in the entire film comes from Mrs. Palmer when she turns and says, brutal fucking murder. <laughs> Just like, oh, she really chomps down those words. I want to hear it again. <laughs> brutal fucking murder. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Um, I, I, Yeah, the rabbit suit stuff. Like, it is... It was almost like they've taken snippets out of the cursed ring tape. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like that fixed camera <laughs> angle. It it's the eerie sound, the the the, the fake canned laughter, <laughs> the slow, slow, exaggerated movements that the that the rabbit people take. Yeah. It's just it's, it's so off voice. Yeah, it's so off kilter. It's frightening. That that that's how they oh yeah, won't forget those. Yeah. Um yeah, the uh, do the locomotion, <laughs> that dance routine. You're just like, this film has been so dark and so wild. And then like <laughs> that moment happens yeah. before they vanish. You're just like, oh God, I'm in too deep. Yeah, I'm in too, too deep, deep now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, uh, Freddy, uh, the Harry Dean Stanton character, blagging money yeah. for a shitty landlord. Great, great little funny moment. Uh, Nikki or Laura Dern sitting down talking to her talking to the guy with the glasses about how she was nearly raped and like just i mean it's a long sequence and she mm. goes through all the details mm. but she really builds up that story as the camera is just in her face yeah you know it doesn't cut away to the events but your imagination uh paints the picture because of her excellent line delivery so yeah really great great tense scene um yeah the the moment where nikki dies where she's been stabbed and she slowly bleeds out and that camera panning back to reveal another camera panning back i was like the film within a film within a film world it's like yeah great great moment because the film let you forget for a long period of time that they were filming a film at one point yeah um and yeah because of how truly horrifying it was if it horrified you the first time Cover your eyes, because this monstrous face that appears at the end is nightmare fuel. Not going to forget it. <laughs> Ian, do you recommend Inland Empire? Oh, man. I suppose I should um, as an experience in cinema. Um, it's David Lynch. Like, if you've never seen a David Lynch movie, there are probably better ones to start with. I would probably just... Don't start with Inland Empire because it's three hours long. Start with A Razor Head. And if you were like, oh my God, that was really great. Filmmaking, camera work, story acting, blah, 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 blah. All the necessities that make a movie. Then go ahead and watch Inland Empire because it will blow A Razor Head out of the fucking water. 
Uh, there are so many films. I was watching this like three hour fucking movie and Gary and I were discussing it before we started uh, talk, uh, talking with the camera on like, what do you compare it to? You know, what do you compare this to? And a lot of people would say it's got no comparison, but I would disagree that everything has a comparison. It's just, you have to really, really look for the details. So how does this stand up against other three hour epics? You know, how does this movie stand up against other movies that literally make no other sense? How does this movie stand up against other movies within movies within movies? How does it stand up against David Lynch movies? And that's what I was doing, especially as this film was going on, especially towards the end. And I was saying to myself, you know what, like, in the long run, there are so many better movies, yes, and there are so many worst movies, but all of them, including this one, is an experience that you choose to take upon yourself, which will change you as a person to then make you realize the next film you go into, who are you? Where are you and where is it going? And if you get that from Inland Empire, then good fucking luck! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm definitely going to be <laughs> recommending Inland Empire. Uh, this film, though, as as was said, is more of an experience than a film. It's almost impossible to describe it. Yeah. It's mad genius that only the wonderful David Lynch can provide. The events in the film are open to so many interpretations. They really are. Depending on what you as a viewer bring to the table. And this film has plenty to digest. Laura Dern was truly amazing in this, showing just how powerful an actress she is, saying so much with her face and without words. Incredible stuff. It's fair to say that this film is a jumbled mess, you know, an, an experiment, a narratively weak, confusing nightmare. But that is also its strength. The horror comes from the confusion in the character's fragmented trauma. It's meaningful, it has purpose, and it lets the viewer's mind wonder and explore this Lynchian hellscape. If you're a fan of David Lynch, this is a must-watch. This is Lynch without studio interference, without restrictions, and it's a glorious example of what Lynch can achieve within this art form. <laughs> it's bewildering, fascinating, but I also think it's mastery at work. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. Yeah,